Hey everybody, Mark Ahrensberg here with The Pure Now Show. This is episode number 15. My guest today is Jace Tham. Jace is the chief businesswoman at Creatives at Work PTE LTD in Singapore. Her company, Creatives at Work, provides creative resources for all kinds of companies, ad agencies, design studios, and alike in APAC. It's great to have Jace on the show. Here we go. Hey, Jace. Hi, Mark. Good to see you. Great to see you, too. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the Pure Now Show. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your day and having a little chat with me. Thank you for having me, actually. It's our pleasure, of course. You're in Singapore, correct? Yes, I'm in Singapore. And uh, it's a gloomy day today. I think for the past one week or so, it has been raining on and off in Singapore. Okay, I think we have a similar weather pattern going on here. You're in Singapore. Let's address the elephant in the room first, which is COVID, of course. That affects everything in everybody's life all over the planet. I know that Singapore's got an excellent reputation of getting a handle on the situation and uh, getting compliance from Singaporeans and and getting a handle on it. Where is Singapore now in that? Uh, I understand that recently things opened up a bit. Although things has kind of stabilized a little bit in Singapore as, you know, the, the government are trying to move ahead, right, to stabilize everybody's life, right, um, and just learn to live with COVID in that sense. So there's a, a lot of um, safe measurements, um, safe management measurements, we call it, that has been put in place, right? Um, there's actually a lot of digital rollout initiative to get people to be more digitally savvy so that in the event of any lockdown or anything like that, you know, uh, life can still continue so that will minimize the impact and the disruptions. But of course, as we move ahead, right, with vaccination programs and all this, I think right now already we have more than 70% of the Singaporean in Singapore already vaccinated. So in a way, I think we are trying to, um, you know, protect, of course, the, the the youth as well as the elderly first, right? Um, and then exploring how else can we actually step forward. Uh, I think, you know, as we all know, Singapore um, is actually a very, it's, it's a free port, right? It's an international port and all this. So there's only so much we can close our economy to a certain extent, right? Uh, even today, as we're talking about it, the parliament also already, you know, discussing about, you know, how do we move forward with this? What are the new employment measurements that we need to put in place? How can we slowly open up our uh, economy, right, so that we can actually bring back life as much as possible and get people's uh, livelihood going uh, in a way. Well, you are in an interesting position based on the business model that you started there, uh, which is something I have experience with, which is way back in the 90s when I had a couple of creative placement agencies that were hugely successful and uh, that demand has not changed in decades. As a matter of fact, it's increased. And I would imagine based on the conditions that we're all under now, it's even opened up more opportunities for you and made you even potentially busier because of the digital world and digital content creation that your stable of creatives are all working from home even though they may have been before, but they're not going on site. It's it's not even an expectation anymore, I guess, on some level. And because of the, the new parameters of doing business, that you probably have grown, even in difficult times, and that you're somewhat COVID-proof. 
Yeah, in a way, I won't say we have grown, but certainly we see an increase in demand from our, whether it's existing customers or whether it's new customers. But maybe I, I would give a little bit of context about what we do. Then I can elaborate how the business has changed for us before COVID, during COVID, and now, hopefully soon, post-COVID. So basically, um, I'm from a company based in Singapore called Creative Networks. So we are a media agency that actually, um, you know, empower our clients with um, supporting them in terms of content creations effort by matchmaking them to a pool of independent creative freelancers. So we provide both matchmaking services as well as project management services for our clients to help them with their content creations, uh, I would say, uh, capability. So in a way, we are more like a resource-based company where we actually provide training to our uh, freelancers as well. We also produce our own content from documentaries to podcastings. Um, so bas basically, you know, begging or uh, pioneering like, in a way the freelance economy in Singapore and also hopefully in, in Southeast Asia as well. COVID has actually brought a lot of attention on this freelance talent pool, right? Because before COVID, I think a lot, even in our discussion with some of our customers, right, is that um, they don't understand who are this talent, what do they do? And when they hear that, oh, you know, they are working remotely or, you know, when they cannot see them, they become a bit anxious, you know. So their mind is, okay, uh, you know, is it because they are not talented enough? That's why they are not being employed full-time. So these are all the misconceptions about freelancers before COVID. But of course, with COVID, every company is going on to uh, remote working and getting used to this kind of digitalizations of work. I would say now we have a lot more clients who are more understanding and they are actually also now started to explore new ways of tapping into this talent pool while growing their core strengths within their organizations. So you're right, in a way, you know, during COVID, we are actually quite caught up with a lot of new requests coming in. But of course, one of the things that we're trying to manage is that because with the sudden increase in demand for people who ask for freelancers, they also come with a lot of uh, issues like how do they manage the freelance uh, resources, you know, uh, how do they put in place steps within their companies uh, to manage the resources to work with freelancers. So there is still a lot that we need to do. I think it's a, it's a good sign. And because the freelance creative pool that we're working with actually ranges quite a fair bit. So while we see some areas, for example, in, in terms of freelancers in the event space, as well as the tourism space, suffer, I would say, uh, compared to other fields of freelancers. But um, what has increased was the digital part of it, right? So I would say most freelancers who are involved in the digital marketing, social media management suddenly has increased their, firstly, of course, fee, and then, of course, secondly, their demand. Over the last one and a half year, we see actually in general about 30% increase in uh, the request for freelancer. So that's probably what has actually affected la, our freelance pool in Singapore in that sense. We do see the demand going to grow constantly because of all the measurements that was being put in because there's more awareness uh, what freelancers can do. And also, I think um, in terms of the whole movements of the future of work, which is actually now coming true. So that's actually a lot more opportunity for, for creative freelancers in times to come. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. Yeah, we were moving in this direction anyway, but due to things beyond our control, it's forced people to need to trust you too, who were 
maybe on the fence about doing that kind of business before, but now that they have no choice, they have to allow themselves to engage with these types of services so they can meet their own demands and manage these projects and and continue to do business. So uh, it's kind of a win-win. I mean, obviously nobody wants the pandemic as a motivator, but uh, it's here and, and there's nothing, you know, again, it's the elephant in the room. It's unavoidable. So we have to make do and work around it the best that we can. What would you say is most in demand from you? What kind of freelancers are people requesting these days? So in general, I think we see um, in three main areas that um, suddenly there was an increase in the demand, right? And the request for such freelancers. One is, of course, as we all know, digital marketing, right? Because with COVID, you know, um, shops are closed, people are kept at home, you know, so the only way that they can reach out to their potential customers is actually through social media platforms. So we see an increase in the demand and the request for freelancers who are involved in the digital marketing, whether you are content writers or you are designers, right, um, that focuses uh, on digital platforms, those are actually quite high in demand. Another area that we actually have noticed is actually in terms of uh, video productions. So as every company going on to social media marketing, right, it becomes so competitive that every one of them is trying to do something different from their competitors, right? And video is actually one of the medium that is highly being consumed, right, on social media by a lot of different uh, consumers. So in that sense, video production is another potential area of growth. And of course, I think the last one was the web slash app designers or developers. Because a lot more people are going to put in more resources because now they realize, you know, they need to enhance their digital presence, right? So everyone is going into rebranding of their website. Everyone is going to look at, you know, how they actually uh, talk about themselves on their website. So these are the three, I would say, main growth area that we see from the demand in our customer requests, right? And also one thing that I wanted to add is that the good thing about us being in Singapore, right, is that we actually deal more with multinational corporate right, MMCs. And a lot of the project that we are handling, right, not just focuses on Singapore, because Singapore is a very small market. So in fact, actually most of the thing that we develop, right, are, are not just for Singapore market, it's actually for the region as well. So there's also a high demand in terms of localizations of those content, right, whether it's in terms of translations, whether it's in terms of um, designing the specific uh, images, right, for the specific countries. So all the, I would say in, in, in the region, Southeast Asia, right, um, there's actually a huge demand for translators, uh, whether it's in English to in, uh, Bahasa Indonesian or vice versa as well. So are you working with freelancers all over Asia? Because uh, we are in the digital content creation world. They're not required to be on site with you. They don't need to even live within a certain distance of you. You can manage that process pretty much anywhere in the world. So you have that capability of being able to market yourself, not only regionally, but internationally and have uh, talent. I mean, there's unlimited amounts of creative professionals that are clamoring for work anyway. And you're a pipeline, as it were, to help lots of people generate revenue so they can continue to eat during this crisis. 
Thank you for setting that into context. I think you're absolutely right. There is really nothing stopping us from working with talent from anywhere around the world. In fact, that's what we are actually looking at doing, right? It's really not where you are from in this digital age. It's what's the value that you can bring onto the project and what services you can offer. Um, so, but while saying that, right? Um, I but I must also admit because we have always been operating, or at least from we started in. 2012. So from then till now, in the last nine years, we are actually more active in this region. So I would say our connections, right? Or uh, right now, we are only reaching to Southeast Asia. We are stronger in Southeast Asia in that sense. But we welcome freelancers from around the world to get in touch with us and see how we can actually work together and collaborate, right? In times to come, um, I just want to put in a clarification about how we work as well because we are. Um, So creative at work, we are not a marketplace, right? So meaning to say, we we don't work with just any freelancer, right? So all the freelancers that we work with has to be trustworthy and has to go through certain assessment that we will run in house before we will be comfortable to hand out our clients' project to that individual. I'm sure that it's a very jurid uh, situation where you're not only looking at portfolios, you need to know the temperament of these people, how they operate. Uh, their personalities. I mean, it's it's a big deal. I mean, you're representing human beings that are representing you. So let's go back. Let's go back that nine years before this Creative Works play started. And how did you come up with this idea? What was your inspiration? And how did you execute the beginnings of your company? So, so it was really not my idea. It was really my partner's idea. So in twenty back in twenty twelve, um, you know, there was some. I would say uh, I think it's a slowdown in the economy as well, right?、Um, so a lot of companies are merging, especially in the broadcasting space. So my partner Fanny was a producer back then with a certain company.、Right? So when company merge and then there's a good group of them was being retrenched, right? And as a result of them being retrenched,、um, they started to actually operate in a very、um, loose arrangement. Coming together, right,、um, to actually pitch for projects. And while she's doing this, right, as an individual, as a freelance producer, it seems to actually got onto a certain speed by itself, right. And so much so is,、uh, she couldn't handle the number of projects that she's handling just by herself. And then we met, and then she was sharing with me this issue that she's having right now. So then we decided,、hey, um, it seems like there's some demand for companies. To work with freelancers, and because at that early part back in 2012, there's no existence of freelance economy in Singapore. In, in a way, lah, not only just in Singapore, but nobody actually noticed it in a way, right? That there's this group of freelancers, you know, that is there. So we decided to say, okay, why don't we bring together our strength? So I used to be with the Singapore Media Development Authority at that time, right? So、uh, focuses on industry development for media industry in Singapore. And、um, I decided to, you know, to to join the industry in that sense, right? And then I thought that I could bring my expertise in terms of project management as well as business development to this group of freelancers. So we started from a very small, small group of freelancers, only about eighty of them, and all of them are from the production space. So we started with doing a lot of productions for、uh, broadcasters in Singapore, and of course、um, that's how we started, right? So at that point in time, when we pitch ourselves to potential customers, right, a lot of them they would they would come back to us and say, "You mean you're working freelancers? You mean you don't employ them to do the job?" And they all ask, "Who are those people?" So those are the some of the common questions. So the, in the beginning, it is a little bit hard to get it going because. The trust level, you know, in terms of leveraging freelancers, is not established as yet. So a lot of the company are hesitant, 
right? Um, but of course, you know, we managed to convince one and then when they see what we can bring to the table, then more companies come and join us. Even nine years later till now, right? Most of our clients, I would say at least 70% of our current clientele has been with us for for at least the last three years already, right? So I think there's a lot of convincing in the beginning that we have to do, right? Um, to assure them. And that's how our project management come on board as well. Because once they are convinced, right, they started to hand out bigger budget projects to us and we started to actually involve more freelancers. So from video production, we then move into designing and then we move into writing. And then now, of course, I think we covered quite a wide spectrum of the whole creative, um, I would say, skill sets ranges from those that are involved in the pre-production to the productions and also to the marketing distributions and the PR. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. Yeah, and I can personally attest to how gratifying it is when you do convince a customer, a client to give you a go and you make them happy. And that's just a loyalty program because as long as you continue to provide excellent service, they're not going to go anyplace else. It's a great way to do business. They're not overly contractually obligated to any individual. They don't have to hire people on full time. They can get uh, a lot of diversity in, in the type of looks and feels that they can get in their creative. And it just opens up a lot of interesting opportunity for them to not be stuck with any singular individuals uh, or employees for that matter. So it's cost effective and it's a very smart way to work. And obviously right now, it's the only way to work. So that business treated me really, really well. But I also know that uh, I've got some stories and I'm sure you do too. And I want to hear yours. It's not always smooth because we are dealing with individuals and things happen. And uh, freelancers are people. And, uh, and of course, there is a commitment on both sides to try and ensure that it's the best outcome possible between uh, the freelancer and the client. But life happens as a freelancer. And uh, they're not your employees. And they're not their employees. And you're a bit at risk a little bit. Give us some examples of maybe some situations that were not ideal. I mean... For every problem, of course, there's a solution that it could be rectified, but things happen. Can you tell us some of the challenges that you faced maybe early on as you were figuring this out that you were able to find solutions for that uh, remedied it and prohibited things like that from happening again down the road? And by the way, this is also a lesson for freelancers. There'll be a lot of freelancers that are watching this show that are going to be able to learn a lot from you about how to be successful as a freelancer the do's and don'ts. So this is an educational opportunity for uh, especially young, maybe young freelancers starting out who could benefit from learning some lessons from you. We launched a new series, right? Because we run a podcast as well called The Freelance Creative Exchange. So we also launched a, a, a podcast drama only just recently. It's actually into our third app, right? It's called Freelancers Confessions. So ah. over there, you will hear some horrible stories and then some good ones as well. Of course, not just horrible. There are also some, you know, uh, clients from heaven as well. But a lot more clients for hell type of stories. Um, so so, so if yeah, if 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 you are interested, you know, please feel free to actually hear some of the stories. But even in our training program, we also always try to emphasize, right, to our freelancers is that you cannot expect that it will be a smooth sailing career. You know, as a freelancer, you will face even more challenges compared to if you are employed, right? Because when you are employed, you are actually under certain structure. 
So in a way, you are kind of protected. Probably you have a legal team that's that's working with you. You have a finance team, but when you are a freelancer, right, you are your own boss. Everything is on you, right. So you have to learn to protect yourself. You have to learn to identify certain red flags for yourself, right, so that you don't land yourself, you know, in a undesirable. Situations. So for us as well, when we first started out, right,、um, we definitely faced with a lot of challenges, right.、Uh, but specifically in terms of working with clients and freelancers, because as you rightly pointed out, we are a middleman. So we are actually、uh, we have both sides, right. We have the freelancer sides and we have the client side. So how do we then play a balancing role, right, to actually ensure that the expectations and and I suppose that's that's why that's the value of us being involved. The expectations of both sides are met, so that we can actually minimize unhappiness or the disruption that will be caused、uh, in in terms of the creative collaborations. Lucky for us, we haven't met with too many. Unhappy situations, but there is definitely situation that causes clients to be unhappy, right? With some of the freelancers, the good thing is we try to learn from it. That's why we actually now only work with our trusted, curated group of freelancers instead of just anyone we know who is working out there. So we can actually ensure that only the trusted ones are actually being assigned to our customers, right? To prevent any unhappiness lah that would. Arise in the future. So one of the incidents that I like to share, right, is actually happened to this.、Uh, that that was many many years ago when we first started a freelance video editor. But it's quite a pity because he is really a very brilliant freelance video editor. We have actually worked with him on a couple of projects already, so he's kind of like quite trustworthy to a certain extent. We then matched him to one of the big、uh, automobile company in Singapore. They also work on some video editing, but because the budget was fairly low, and we know that it's a bit low, and at that point in time we did ask him, "Are you okay with this rate?" Because we know that it's a little bit below market rate, but it's actually a good chance for you to work with a international automobile company. He said it's okay. He willingly accepted it. But when the deadline came. He couldn't deliver, and then when we started to ask him, "Hey, today is the deadline. You need to send over the clip to the clients," and the client is waiting, and then we try to look for him for one whole day. He never replied. He he just kind of disappeared for one day, and then the next day he came and said, that, "Oh, he he's sick, so he cannot work on it." We still actually go back to the client and let the client know, and the client give an extension. But when the three days later came, he still didn't deliver. So we were kind of like a bit panicky already, and then we asked him, you know. Why is this so, right? How come it's still not delivered? And for us, right, we are quite prepared to step in. I think that's one of the value proposition for us as well for our client. We are willing to step in at any point in time, right? We can actually take this back and just get another freelancer to quickly work on it. The reason why we didn't do it like the first round is because he said that he's he's sick, right? So he cannot work on it. So we give him the benefit of the doubt. We say, okay, then are you able to continue? And he said yes. Right, so we didn't actually say that. Okay, give it back to us. So the second time we actually didn't, we actually requested to take back the footages, and only at that point in time that we realized, right, actually he has not started working on it. And what we heard was that he actually accepted another bigger budget project, and hence he has no time for this small project. So to all freelancers out there, I would just want to say that if you promise to do it, you have to deliver it. You know,、uh, Singapore is very small, so of course, you know, needless to say, we never use him again. But he actually cost us one client.、Right. Of course, 
the client doesn't trust us anymore as well because we we asked for an extension and yet we didn't deliver. So if, even at the end of the day, we did deliver because we took back the footages, we did it ourselves, sent it to the client. But to the client is we already lost the trust with the company, right? So they are not going to use our freelancers and us anymore. Right. So it costs us one client and to the freelancer he actually loses us as customers as well. Right. But I think more beyond that is really the professionalism. He has actually showed that even though he has a skill, but he is not professional. Right. We have actually emphasized to him already, we know that this is below market rate. Are you willing to do it? So to us, trust is one very important attitude that we always look out for freelancers. The second one is once you accept it, you have to meet the deadline. Even if you cannot, right? I would rather that you let us know because we can always take it back. We can do it ourselves. So from this incident, we actually learned that we need to emphasize this to our freelancers. Some of the principles that we want our freelancers to abide by. right? And we become uh, very open Right, in terms of um, stating it down in the contract agreements, right, that very specific deadlines that you have to meet. And if you cannot meet the deadline, what are the consequences? So I think this kind of helped us to become more transparent, ensure that certain measures are put in place to actually check with the freelancers even before the delivery dates. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. So you've set up some parameters, some insurance policies for yourself, some insurance policies for the talent, because this this whole thing is about accountability all across the board. Client has to be accountable. Artist has to be accountable. You have to be accountable. It's really the ultimate kind of trifecta relationship where all the moving parts have to work together. And there has to be these agreements between you that uh, you are going to be professional. You, your word is important. It's so important, especially on the talent side, that if they're going to agree to commit to a project, that they're going to follow through. And of course, you do have a net, which is you have multiplicity. You have lots of talent. So if something does happen, and this happened to us plenty of times where someone had to be pulled you can slot somebody else in. The whole idea is to, of course, make it seamless and manage that trust. So if something does happen, the client doesn't have to worry, and, and that's it. It's they trust you implicitly, and they know that if something happens, you're going to take care of it. And that's what being the middleman, of course, is. That's like me being a producer at Balance. My job is to make everybody happy and ensure that the flow continues and nothing stops it. And if something does get in the way, it's my job to fix it and continue the flow. Essentially, you are an organization, a producing organization, whereby you have the assets. You also have the client. You're in a really incredible position of success with multiple people, which makes you look pretty good because when it all works, and it's a very complicated process, but when it all works and the end result is meets and exceeds their expectation, the artist has an incredible experience, gets paid, you're helping create a living for them, and you at the same time are sitting on top of this pyramid and you're able to manipulate this entire process so everybody gets what they need, which is very satisfying. Uh, it's a satisfying position to be in. Maybe one of the hardest parts for talent is the business side, which is why you are a solution for freelancers, because you eliminate a lot of the uncomfortableness of needing to be a business person 
and you take that burden off their shoulders so they can just be a professional creative person. What advice do you have for anybody who's in the business, old or new, that can help them navigate this life of a freelancer and maybe even open your doors to people who are in Singapore now, who have been struggling with the business side of it, who are super talented, but they're sick of dealing with clients on that particular level and just want to produce the work. Uh, what kind of words of wisdom do you have for these people? What to do is really to empower every freelancer to continue freelancing for as long as they want. And the only way that you can continue this as alternative career options is to make it sustainable, right? Is to actually make it into a real job that can feed yourself, not only just yourself, but also your family. So that is really something that we set up to do at Creative Fair Works. And when we realised that um, actually a lot of creative focuses on what they do best, right? So somehow the business aspect either get ignored, right? Or they really doesn't know what to do with it. So because of that, right? And also because of the incident, uh, what we have with several freelancers, unhappy incidents with several different freelancers, it prompted us to actually start our training programme. Because that's where we realise a lot of the creative, they focus a lot on what they are doing, and rightfully so, because that's what they do for a living. Uh, but a lot of the other issues, they kind of neglect. Right? So that's where the training programmes come in to bring out the business aspect of being a freelancer. But also in terms of providing um, the community support. Because I think a lot of times it's really about understanding what needs to be done, how can I handle this, right? Um, and what are some other people doing? So for example, in terms of cash management, finance management, keeping their finances in order, right? Should I pay taxes? How much should I pay all this, right? It's, it's not something that any creative particularly are interested in because they, are, they like to do things that involve creativity, but maybe this kind of thing to them is like, oh, you know, it's, it's kind of boring. So that's where we want to play a more active role by providing more information, more access to such resources for freelancers as well so that they are more aware of issues like this. Uh, and also by bringing the community together, I think a lot more discussions can actually uh, flow uh, among the seniors uh, freelancers to the junior freelancers, identify some potential, uh, I would say, issues. And now because I think um, Singapore as a whole, at least from the manpower policy perspective, they kind of recognises that, you know, this group of what we call self-employed persons, freelancers, needed a little bit more support. So um, in terms of communicating certain policy, in terms of um, identifying areas that freelancers can support themselves, has actually garnered a fair bit of support. And I think in terms of building, it helps in terms of building the whole ecosystem so that the freelancers can actually earn a living in that sense or actually have a sustainable career for themselves with all the ecosystem built in, with all the supports from different stakeholders. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it's really a viable business model that has incredible growth expansion potential. And it's much needed because I was a freelancer before I started in our business. So I got a firsthand look at what it was like. And I was with an agency like yours who represented me, provided me with these services. And the funny little story is I'm colorblind. And I was working for a design studio and working on a movie poster that had to go from black and white to color. And when it came to their skin tone, instead of finding a color swatch for flesh color, and this is, you know, a lesson to be learned, I kind of threw a dart at the Photoshop color wheel and I made them green. 
junior art director called the agency that I worked for and said, what is the matter with this guy? He's colorblind. How could you send us a colorblind person? And in that moment, I changed my entire career trajectory and went behind the scenes like you and started representing creative professionals. That's how I started off in a business like yours. And I know how critical it is that we're dealing with work that is very subjective. Uh, we're dealing with multiple personalities, which is nuts. Now, it might be to the benefit, too. When I was in the business, I sent people on site. There was none of this working from home. Everybody went into a design studio or advertising agency and worked with that team of people up close and personal. I had a freelancer who had a medical condition. And because of their medical condition, it produced a body odor problem. And they were super talented. But I had to approach this freelancer and I had to let them know that this was an issue. And it was not about their work. And it was not even personal, but it was an offensive odor. And it created friction for the internal staff. Now, of course, in what we're dealing with today, you'll never have to deal with that. But human beings, sapiens, still have personalities. So how do you work with your freelancers? Even though their exposure maybe is limited, they still are working directly with these people. However, you are uh, the producer, you are the project manager. So I would imagine that the interaction between the freelancer and the client is pretty minimum. Would you say so? Yeah, that's right, Mark. So there's actually two relationships that we have with our clients, right? Um, I do face the similar issues as you face in terms of placing the freelancers into um, the customer's uh, or the client's office as well, right? That was before COVID. Now it's actually a lot better. So now I would say 90% of our matchmaking or our placement um, type of transactions, right, all are conducted remotely. But back then, especially when we work with advertising agency, so very often they were required to say that, oh, I need the copywriter to be based in my office for five days, right? Um, I'm going for a pitching session, so I need the graphic designers to be in my office for seven days, right? So hence, um, you know, what you mentioned about the attitudes and all this are very important. So usually when we do this kind of recommendations, it's even more important that we know the freelancers personally. So we don't only just look at the expertise that they have. The more important one is the attitude as well. Right. One of the things that we also allow our customers to do at that time, right, our, our uh, project owners, we call them the project owners, uh, is also they are able to actually interview the freelancers first before they bring them on board. So this is a few of the ways that we try to minimize issues like this from occurring. So they will meet with the freelancers, they will talk to them before they bring them on board. We already know they have a certain requirements and the certain type of freelancers that they're looking for. So way ahead, we identify say five to 10 freelancers that will meet their requirements already on standby. So they already know, you know, the expectations that the clients have on their jobs. They already know, uh, you know, like the branding guides, how the clients position themselves already. So it's about activating them when the clients need it. So we also have that arrangement, but of course we can't do that for everyone, right? So it's only like the premium customers right. that we will actually stand by 
uh, freelancers who we can actually activate. So these are some of the ways that we try to reduce such friction. But of course now, because of COVID and because everyone is on remote working, the face-to-face issue has minimized. But of course with remote working, there's also comes other challenges in terms of ensuring that the things get delivered on time. You know, we become even more cautious of keeping tap and tracks the freelancers to ensure that they doesn't miss the delivery or the expectations from the customers in that sense. You're listening to The Pure Now Show, a creative podcast for creatives presented by Balance. We've established all new behavior patterns as a species. Uh, Human beings are making a shift in how we deal with our day-to-day lives in every aspect. And this is a prime example of what you're doing. And once the customers, your clients, have a taste of not having people on site, you know, there's going to be a reluctancy going forward, even after the smoke clears, of going back to old ways of having people on site because it's not as convenient in many ways. I would imagine you have freelancers that are on an hourly rate. So managing time, clocking time, uh, at least if they're on site, you know, you know, they're filling out a timesheet, uh, like we had timesheets being filled out and we could, we could manage that process pretty easily because it was a, a whole physical experience going on. But now we have a lot of a virtual experience going on. So are freelancers working more on a project base? And is that a way to ratify this whole idea of being able to monitor time? What has been the new strategy going forward now that we're in these new behavior patterns, this new way of doing business? How do you uh, quantify that? Actually, almost all the projects that we're working on does not go by hourly rate. So it's either a day rate or it is a project basis. You're still paying them for the days where they work. You don't have cameras set up in their apartment or their house. And uh, a lot of this business is based on good faith. And that's good because we're human beings and we need the good faith between all three parties in order for this kind of intricate relationship to work. Does it feel like the COVID situation has streamlined your process versus made it more complicated? I think um, COVID has actually accelerated a lot of things for us in terms of both from the client side as well as the freelancer side. At least it actually helps right, uh, a, a lot of people to leverage on technology to get work done. So that works out very well for us um, in terms of you know the time that we can save right, from what you mentioned about the different moving parts and all this. Um, but I must also sit, I must also add that it also does present new sets of challenges as well, right? Um, especially in terms of the, how the skill sets will evolve. So um, back then, I think, you know, the even though changes are expected, especially for freelancers, but the pace of change is actually much slower. But because of COVID and because of so many things happening with social media, digital innovations, you know, uh, transformations and all this, right? Um, the changes actually happen so fast and so quick that sometimes, you know, it's a bit difficult to catch up. Right. So it kind of affected the freelancers um, in terms of how they want to navigate their career path, right? what kind of skill sets, and they constantly have to pick up on new skill sets because technology changes. You know, they, they need to know new things, right? they need to have new skills so that they become more attractive to any potential customers. So while technology has bring with it 
benefits to a lot of the freelancers in terms of the way that they work, the way that they communicate to their clients. It also brings about a lot of challenges in terms of where do they see themselves belonging to, what kind of technology that they, they need to pick up. A very good example that I want to share with you, right, is that in the past, prior to COVID, um, a lot of the requests that comes in, usually very specific skill sets, right? So they will ask for a graphic designers, they will ask for a copywriter, they will ask for a camera guide very specific skill sets, right? And all is well, right? Um, so the freelancers can grow their expertise and their niche in a very specific skill sets. But what we see after one and a half years, right, into COVID is that now the client don't just ask for anyone with just one single skill set. They want a more whole rounder freelancers that can contribute to the fast pace of change within the organization. So for example, they are no longer just looking for a video editor. Right. They want a video editor that can also do motion graphics. Another uh, common request that we always see is, you know, they not only just want a camera guy, right? They want a camera guy who understands social media because uh, the picture that they take ultimately goes on social media. And best is if they could also edit the photo themselves, write the copy themselves. So it suddenly become like these freelancers have to do everything because right. the pace is so fast, right? So within a day, they must churn out like three photos, for example, for social media. So, so these are some of the challenges that we see new technology actually brings along with it, right? That make people's skill sets kind of obsolete faster and they need to catch up. They need to do a lot of catch up. Well, I think you just answered the question of advice because diversification, of course, is key. And when clients are looking to get everything in the box, it's incumbent upon the freelancer to continue to grow their skill set and stay ahead of the curve, even the technology curve, so they can remain in demand and continue to work, which is a challenge, of course, for freelancers. But, you know, it's the nature of the beast and there's nothing you can do about it except keep your head above water and keep up. So thank you for answering that question without actually asking it. My final question is this, and it's kind of a strange question, but if you could not do what you're doing now, not be in the business you're in now, if the rug was pulled out and they said, no, nah, you can't do that. You got to pick something totally different and maybe even unrelated to do for the rest of your days what would you be interested in doing? Cannot imagine myself not doing this actually right now at this point in time. Yeah, I cannot imagine that actually. <laughs> well, I guess um, I did think about retirement though, right? Even though, you know, I, I, I couldn't dream of myself working, doing any other things uh, that beside what I'm doing right now. But, um, you know, so I, I do want at some point in time right uh, open a cafe right um, and just probably I will open up a freelancers cafe in Southeast Asia you know connecting all the freelancers together through the cyber cafe <laughs> before COVID right uh, there's this trend of what we call the hipster cafe so basically the cafe serve very um, hipster thing right very fusion not your usual coffee bean or Starbucks type of cafe but really very um, artisan right type of cafe specially brew coffee you know with very special beans that's been transported from all part of the world you know making your coffee drinking a experience rather than you know uh, just a normal cafe so i think it would be good if you know it, it can it can realize at some point in time and i do know you know in some of our conversations with our freelancers we do know that some other freelancers uh, some our freelancers does have a uh, similar type of um I would say uh, idea, 
right about having a uh, one of them is a cook so he is currently a freelance uh, a videographer but he likes cooking a lot and he cooks a lot of fusion things right um, and all the recipes are created by himself so we did joke about it right that in times to come maybe Creative Awards can open up a cafe he can become the chef and then we'll bring in another freelancer you know as a alternative uh, or, or as the next career options lah, for most of them you know because there will come a time where he cannot hold a camera anymore so then he can actually become a chef right so this is just some of the ideas that we have where we bring together a group of uh, freelancers right um, leveraging on their other uh, I would say uh, interests right to, to come together we even wanted to support him to open a cafe but then of course COVID came and then this whole idea kind of dropped well this too shall pass and on the other side of catastrophe is opportunity as you know and i really love the idea of a freelancer's cafe where people can just come and commiserate and and drink trendy cool drinks and eat really cool fusion type of strange food and uh and just interact with each other and and tell their stories could be a good tv show it's the same it sounds like a web series to me potentially all kinds of things spin off of that well, Jace, I really appreciate you taking the time today to get on the Pure Now show and talk to me. And it was great to hear how you're helping the Singapore creative community uh, continue to flourish. And uh, in, in difficult and challenging times that uh, you've helped people adapt and continue to create a living for themselves and do what they love most. Thank you, Mark, too. Thanks for having me on the show. I really enjoy your questions. If you enjoyed the Pure Now show, you can check out more episodes at balancestudio.tv or anywhere fine podcasts are broadcast. Pure Now is produced and engineered by Hai Ha Dang and directed by Dong Wun Guan. Special thanks to our media sponsor, Maybe and iDesign.vn. Thanks so much for watching.